0: This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Shreya Sharath. Like Rachel, the character Shreya created, she is 13 and has a passion for art. Her book, The Hidden Realm, is illustrated with her own artwork. She says that so people could see exactly what she was imagining. Her imagination is vivid. Rachel is an introverted girl who feels overshadowed by her popular younger brother and so loses herself, quite literally, in her artwork. When she emerges from the painting, both Rachel and the reader have learned some important life lessons from her adventures.
1: But to my surprise, the painting glowed even brighter. That's it, curiosity won. I had to touch it, fresh varnish or not. Thus, throwing caution to the wind, I touched it out of temptation, not even caring that I wasn't supposed to. To my utter disbelief, my hands are to sink into the painting. In a matter of seconds, the whole of me was sucked into the painting.
0: Okay, and now you get an idea of the wonder of this book. It's called The Hidden Realm, and it is not only written by but also illustrated by Shreya. And how did you ever get that idea of having your main character go into her own painting? Um, Well, that's an interesting question. When I was younger, actually,
1: I had written a short story, well, I mean, a part of the short story where I had this girl go into a book, which took her into like that story of, um, that was like being portrayed in the book and that book, that story never got finished because I didn't have an idea of what to do afterwards. So I had just kind of taken that idea and I had put it into this one because I really wanted to incorporate it. Um, and also, I do a lot of painting as well. And whenever I finish a painting, me or my dad, we put varnish on it and then we leave it out in the sun to dry. And the painting at that point actually like glows because the sun is on the varnish and it kind of reflects. So I just combined the two ideas and I made it as though Rachel is
0: going into the painting. Oh, I just love it. It it has echoes for me of Alice in Wonderland, you know? So um, let's just back up a little. You mentioned that you are an artist. So tell us... First of all, your main character, and I don't want to give away the whole plot of the book because that would kind of ruin it for other people, but we have to talk about it enough so that people can understand. Is that okay? So your main character is Rachel, and I think she's about your age. You're 13, right? Yes, I am. So is Rachel, Some of did some of who Rachel is come from who you are? Yes, I definitely do think
1: that um, she has come from me. I have been um, into art from the time I was super young. Um, It's always been something I've been really passionate about. And I just felt the easiest way to make Rachel relate to me was to have... um, her be really into art, which is something that I can genuinely relate to. So it's something very easy for me to write about. It's an experience that I have been through. Um, So her love for art definitely does come
0: from my love for art. And how did you develop this passion at such a young age? When did you start? I think I started um,
1: like I can't even remember the exact age, but I started from a really, really young age. Um, And at that point, I wasn't super passionate about art. I think my mom had really pushed me to continue trying and to continue working on my art, which um, later had become something that I was super passionate about, something that I really loved to do. And now it's something where it's like, can, can bring me so much peace and so much joy. Um, and something that I can just I can paint for hours. I can sketch for hours without even knowing that the time went by. Um, it's just something that I really love to do now.
0: How wonderful to have a passion like that. So there are two very different forms of artwork in this book. Let's talk about the inside art first. And I wish, Usually I like the idea of podcasts because people can listen as they're doing other things, but I so wish people could see this because um, tell us what technique you used for the inside art. Is it pen and ink? Is that what it is? Um, It's
1: actually digital. So I have um, Procreate, which is an online drawing tool. And with that, I created um, the images that were in my head, and I tried my best to make them come into, like, come to real life and so that people could see exactly what I was imagining for those places to look like.
0: Yeah, well it's, they're in black and white in the inside drawings and they're done, like I'm looking right now at a page that has Rachel And the friends she meets, (laughs) I don't know how much to give away when she goes inside the painting, and they're looking at the shadow forest and their backs are to us. So you can see the fairies have wings and the elf has little pointed ears and Rachel has long dark hair like you have. And um, It's just, you have this sense of they're about to enter something very dark. (laughs) It really gives you the same feeling that the words have. And then tell us about the fall of terrors, what you had in mind when you were creating that waterfall.
1: Um. Well, when I created that waterfall, I really just wanted it to look powerful and I wanted it to look, I guess, a little bit intimidating when you looked at it. Like, wow, this is huge. Like compared to like probably what they would look like, it's it's really big. Um, and you could see the gushing water, how many different like falls there are in just that one like waterfall. And um I really want to show how intense the water was and really just to give people a picture of what those, um, what my characters were experiencing looking at um, the volcares.
0: Yes, because it's very beautiful, but it has a threatening quality. And just could you tell us, it's a little piece of your book, and there's so many good pieces that I don't think it will give away the plot. What is the story behind The Fall of Terrors? Why did it become such a terrible place?
1: Well, um, The Fall of Terrors used to be very beautiful at a point in time people loved going there um but then once two fairies had come into the fall and decided to like go into it and then what happened was they both died because due to um the power of all the water and the force of it because of that everyone kind of started to get scared of the fall and In my book, what I have done is that some inanimate objects actually have feelings and can think for themselves. So as everyone stopped going to the fall, the fall has become more like seeking for revenge. So now whoever comes, it's become very, um, I guess, rude and like people don't want to go there anymore. And despite people have realizing that it's not really the fall's um, like, the Fall of Terror, it's like not his, their fault, um, they're all still scared of it because now Fall of Terror has embraced the role that people had given it.
0: Yeah, all through your book there are like little lessons that we can learn from as readers. This idea that this inanimate object could have these feelings and be hurt and when somebody's hurt, just like a person, they tend to get mean and standoffish. So here's another drawing that is very, very different than that. It's got just a lightness and beauty to it. And it's the Unicorn Valley. So just tell us what was going on in your mind when you created that. Well, when I created
1: it at that point, I really wished I could like put color into it because it's such a beautiful image that was in my mind. Um, and throughout that, I felt like it was like a very magical place. I tried to create that feeling that when you looked at it, you were like, wow, this is so beautiful. I think that's exactly what Rachel was feeling when she looked at it because um, like I wanted it to be um, so Colorful and so like bright and like just without even color, you could see how bright it looked. How um, just amazing! I felt I
0: wanted people to look at it like that. So that's how. Well, I did. you succeeded. <laughs> but so, so you mentioned the inside ones because it, this is just is a good place to put this in. This is published by Amazon, and anyone can get the book as I did just by typing in the title, "The Hidden Realm." and it comes up so part of it was the inside pages were only black and white is that how the publishing worked okay so now tell us about this magical cover and you're a writer so maybe you have words to describe it I I don't know that I do did and you created this cover as well No, I didn't create this cover. Um, I can't take the credit for that. It's
1: completely due um, to the publishing company. Um, The people who created this are Jan Nianti and Anupamanti, who are the editors and publishers of Paper, Paints, and Poetry. And they created this um, cover, which really brought out what I really thought that the hidden realm was supposed to look like. And it looks absolutely stunning. I, literally, I love it so much.
0: It does. And as you turn over to the back side, they're the tiny, tiny little figures that must be the fairies and the elves. It, it really does look like a hidden realm. Well, tell me about the triangles in the center because they appear in different places throughout your book. What, what are those triangles about?
1: Um, Those triangles are the alchemy symbols for the four elements, which are water, air, fire, and earth. Um, And these were suggested to me by um, the publishers who uh, put these all in the book, which really um, tied everything in the book together. It really just brought the entire theme of it, which is the four elements and all these other components together, which I really do love. So.
0: Well, so do I. And you open with a quote. Is this of your choosing, or did the publishers come up with this as well? I'll read it to people. It's John O'Donohue, of course, who was the Irish priest and poet and philosopher. And it's the quote is, the unity of four elements is what constitutes and sustains our existence in this world. So how did you or... Did you come across that quote? Was that your idea? Um,
1: the publishers had come across that quote. And when, they, um, when I saw that, I was like, that is beautiful. That, I think, really goes well with the entire um, story line of my book. And I think it was just perfect. It really went
0: with it. It really did. So tell us a little about the book itself, because the storyline um, there's Rachel, who's a girl about your age, and she has a little brother. Do you happen to have a little brother? No, I'm an
1: only child. Okay. Um, I know as a kid, I always wanted a sibling because I was very like lonely. I was like, I want someone to play with. I want to hang out with someone. Um, so I just wanted my character to have something that I didn't have as a child. So that's where I got the idea for that.
0: Well, he plays a really important role, that character, because he his typical little brother pranks on his older sister, but when she goes into the painting and has these adventures, some of which could be life-threatening, she realizes what? What does she realize?
1: She realized that she loves um, her little brother so much, despite him being really annoying and petty to her. He still, she still
0: loves him so much. Yeah. So just tell us about the writing process. I'm going to look up one of my favorite phrases. I actually wrote it down. Because there are times, and I want to talk to you about your poetry, because there are times that I feel the way you use words is like poetry. It was when you, early in the book, were describing your brother's, not yours, Rachel's brother's eyes. (laughs) Um, You wrote, Rachel's voice is speaking i would normally paint his eyes like jungles with trees swaying in the wind i mean that is just so vivid how how did an image like that come to you um well when i had first just thought about how
1: i wanted to um like write the sentence as her looking through his eyes i had made like my own picture in my mind so like there'd be his eyes and then there'd be like this entire jungle this entire forest um of different trees maybe a few animals in there and then the trees swaying in the wind i also had him like um as if like jackson was like running from tiger or something like that because at that point um rachel was like still kind of thinking of him as like the annoying little brother but that line was really just trying to um show the uh readers what i had
0: in my mind as well well, you certainly did that. So, how? What is your writing process? Do you like sit at a keyboard? Do you write by hand on a piece of paper? What? How do you write? I write with the keyboard.
1: Um, I think it's just the easiest way for me to um, get all my thoughts out. Um, and normally, whenever I just have like an hour or two to myself when I'm not busy or like there's no school. Um, I go to my room and it's a quiet place. I just write whatever I can, whatever comes to my mind. And then at the end, I edit it and make sure that the story is still engaging, that um, everything flows well and that everything's like smooth. And it's still um, interesting for people to keep reading. So.
0: So when you were plotting out this entire book, which has, I, <laughs> I shouldn't remember this because I went through each chapter. I mean, it's, it's quite a complex book. It's got 12 chapters and the plot just moves right along in interesting ways. I mean, do you like map out the whole plot of a book first or how, how, how did you go about constructing it?
1: When actually what happened was, is that during the summer of 2020, when I was at home, I didn't really, couldn't do anything, couldn't travel anywhere. Um, I had uh, done an online workshop with Stone Soup, which is another writing um, type of company that does many um, different like things for young writers. And this online uh, workshop had done this place where you could write your own short story. Um, really short, I had written it and this was the idea that I had come up with. So I compl- completely made the entire storyline throughout this, um, one workshop. And it was a few hundred words, maybe a thousand. And I had just compiled it and I made my own little book. It actually, um, I made my own cover to it. It looks like this. Uh-huh. It was like... It has, like, four pages in it. It's super small. Um, And then I put, like, small little pictures that I found on the Internet. And at that time, I called it the Prophecy, the Scepter, and the Girl. I didn't really know what to do. This is my cover page that I had made, drawn by hand um, at that time. And after that, I just... really thought, okay, you know what? I want to make this into a bigger thing. So I took the same plot that I had, added some extra stuff onto it, maybe some like different little storyline. I added some extra things, which I finally made into the finished product, which I have today.
0: So that's fascinating. The skeleton of the story was a short story that you wrote for this stone soup. And I love that name, Stone Soup. It must come from the story where People don't have food, and they all put in a little bit, and it makes something wonderful to nourish them. So, um, how about the characters? How did you develop those? Were they all in that original little story from your Stone Soup workshop? Yes, they were. The four. You had the four elements in there. The the. Oh wow, that's amazing! You just that just came full blown all at once from your head. Well, I'd love to talk about the names too. How you came up with these wonderful names? Um, first of all, Rachel and Jackson. <laughs> Do they have any history? You know, for choosing those names? Um,
1: Jackson didn't. I had just come up with that one, but Rachel kind of had a little bit personal history to me. Um, When I was younger, one of my best friends, uh, she loved the name Rachel. Like, every single time we'd write, like, our own, like, fake, like, little short story, like, just like, we'd be like, you know what, let's write a story today. Um, She would always use the name Rachel. And so I was like, you know what, I want to do that. So I chose the name Rachel um, for the story set. So that's how I came up with those two names. They were very basic, so
0: not too much what's into them. So then when you came up with the names for... Tidal, who's the water elf, how yes. you were just thinking of water type things or. Yes, I wanted to do something where the names
1: related to um, their elements, So Tidal, like tidal waves, which went with the, um, the element of water and same with the other characters where I had incorporated their names along with um, their element, trying to make them relate in some way so you could figure out which element exactly that they were um, like that they controlled and which they used.
0: So. Yes, and you went beyond that because, like, Aria, when she's going on this scary trip, is worried about her brother Sky, <laughs> who's another air name, and thistle, the earth fairy. You make her as a character kind of prickly, like a thistle. <laughs> you know, yeah. so I mean, it's just wonderful how how it all fits together. So, tell us a little about. You say you, when you have a free moment, you will, you will write, but I think it sounds like you don't have many free moments. <laughs> Reading the little profile of yourself on the back of the book, just tell us about some of your other passions, interests, pursuits. Um, well, I
1: have many of those. I really do love to do many things. Um, dance and music are really big and important part of my life. Um, I started both of them when I was really young and both of them, I had done the Indian classical version of dance and Indian classical version of music. Um, dance is called Bharatanatyam, and the music is called Carnatic music. And both of these, I started learning from my mom. Um, and then, as time went on, I started to really like the American culture and the American way of singing and the American way of doing many other things. So, I started doing ballet and um, lyrical and hip hop and jazz um, for dance. And I started singing um, Western music and I started playing the piano and um, the violin. So, these uh, I've been able to, um, I've had the opportunity to be able to embrace myself and many different types of art forms and many different types of music and dance, um, which has been a blessing. Um, I really do love that. I've been able to experience so many things.
0: Um, yeah, that's, yeah. And then, that's just wonderful. And for our readers and listeners, your mother is somebody, um, who is, teaches, as you say, classical Indian dance and has just this great sense of the history of it. Because I talked to her for an earlier podcast and we've had pictures in our paper, people might remember. She does, um, her students perform at the Albany Hindu Cultural Center and it's it's just remarkable and I take it, you're one of those students, right? Yes. Yeah, wow. So what is it like for you to have... You know these two different cultures that you perform in and embrace is there any sort of crossover or are they two distinct spheres that you're very aware of
1: um well a few of them there is a little bit of like um similarities between the two um i know in like Bharatanatyam and in ballet there are some similarities with how you like move your feet and everything but when I'm thinking of them I normally think of them as like my Indian classical side and then my Western side and as um, between the two things but it's it's really is just so cool how I was able to experience both sides of my culture and both sides of how I was brought up um, which I think is just really amazing
0: so. I do, too. So um, you dedicated your book to your parents, which I think is just lovely. Can you tell us a little about your parents? I mean, you mentioned your father will help you varnish your paintings, and your mother has taught you classical Indian dance and music. But just tell us a little about them as people, and and how they've raised you. Um, My
1: dad is um, an IT project manager. And uh, he really helped me a lot with this book specifically. Um, he was my cha—he was like a challenging person. He would always um, tell me that I had to rewrite something or I had to write something again, especially when the drafts were coming. He was like, you know what, I think this could be better. Write this again. So he was my editor at home. And um, although it was a little irritating at some points and I was like, <laughs> I'm done with this. Uh, it was still something that I really do thank him for, for doing. He really pushed me so much and really brought out my, um, all the writing skills that I've learned and I've acquired. Um, my mom, has been my encouraging person. She's always been there for me, always telling me to keep writing, especially when I was writing my first draft. I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. I don't want to write anymore, especially when I was really busy or like I didn't have time to or the story wasn't really going well and I'm like, I feel like no one's going to like it. I don't want to do it anymore. She's always like, you know what? You can do it. Just keep pushing. Keep writing. You can do this. So she was always there for me. She always helped me so much with writing and um, with so much many other things as well. And I really do um, thank my parents a lot for doing this for me.
0: Oh, I just think that's lovely. So tell me, what do you think people can learn from this book? Who do you think should read this book? Because I feel like there's some really important, almost universal lessons (laughs) in this story. Um, This book
1: is really for anyone who wants to read it. I think I was really going for more of a younger audience. But some of the lessons can be taught to anyone. Um, Teamwork is dream work. Teamwork is literally everything. Um, And that you should never give up. There are so many times in this book where the characters have felt that they have to give up, that they want to turn back because they're scared, because they feel like they can't do it, but they didn't give up because they knew they had an end goal to reach and they had to meet that. Um, And there are so many things with feeling that you should be secure about yourself. You don't need to be Um, an outgoing person. You don't need to have so many friends in order to feel good about yourself. You should be happy with how you are, just as you are. Um, And I think these are just important lessons that just, of course, everyone needs to know. Um, But this book was definitely towards more of a younger audience, especially with the way I was writing it um, from around the ages of seven to 10 years old.
0: And it strikes me like a story that would be good to read out loud. You know, if parents read to their children, because there's so many uh, dialogue, so much dialogue, and so many really vivid descriptions. I can just—I felt like reading it out loud myself. I also thought a central lesson, as you mentioned, was this main character's self-realization of her own worth. Rachel comes to understand that you know at the beginning her brother's popular and she's not and she feels unappreciated and kind of lonely but through this I take it as an imaginary trip <laughs> through her painting and entering that she comes to feel good about herself but there are also lessons along the way like you told us about the waterfall and there's I think a really important lesson on kindness because tell us about the fairy who has Ash, who obviously is the element fire, who has become evil. Tell us her story, just quickly. So Ash
1: was a fire fairy, but she was born without being able to control fire. She was born without her powers, which made her, um, which made other fairies and other creatures pick on her a lot because she couldn't control the element that she was supposed to be able to. Um, and that really worked her mind into thinking that everyone is just out for you and that she had to take control um, and she had to be in power of everyone. So she worked herself and she figured out a way through, um, which you will find out through the book, she figured out how to control power and how to get power. But then as um she had been i guess traumatized by this as a kid realizing that because without her powers she was really nothing um and i think that's also something that you can't really hurt people just because of how um because of what they can or cannot do everyone is talented in their own way and i think because the other creatures didn't um realize this from her and they didn't realize that she was so strong even without her powers it really twisted her mind into thinking that the only way that you could be powerful is if you have powers and if you can actually control people which made her evil and which made her mean and um really controlling over
0: others yeah so there's just lessons within lessons because rachel says she'll give her a chance because she doesn't want to be like ash and it's just wonderful how you have that play out um now, as our time is drawing to a close so quickly, I just would like to hear a little about what you're envisioning for your future. I know your immediate future is tomorrow. You're going to India to see your grandparents, but I mean your further future. What What of these many paths might you envision yourself pursuing? Um well I do have many interests
1: of what I could possibly do. But right now I'm really into mental health and trying to help people with um you know like different uh illnesses and stuff because I know that mental health is one of a really really big issues that's occurring in our world today. So I want to be a psychiatrist, or at least something right now in the mental health field. Um, but that is for this moment and for today. I don't know where I'm going to be in a few years, but that is what I want to do right now.
0: Oh my, isn't that interesting? So do you have any other books in mind, or are you working on any other poems or artwork that you could share with us? Um, At the moment, I don't have any books that are currently
1: in progress, but I do have many, many different um, ideas that are floating around in my head, which haven't become actual, like, books yet. But um, I do have um, a few poems and stuff that I just keep writing on my own, and I do love art a lot. Um, Also, for poems, I am part of... uh, I do write poems for the same publishing company, which is Paper, Paints and Poetry. And they basically have these books where um, many um, poets all over the globe can contribute in. Um, One of my favorites is called Kinstigi, which is the art form where whenever there's a broken pot or a broken something, um, they fill in the cracks with gold. So even though it's broken, they can still make it beautiful in the end. So I have written poems. Um, My favorite poem is in that book. And I have many other poems like that in these books as well.
0: Do you happen to know that poem? Could you say that poem for us? Yes. Um,
1: So this one is called True Beauty. Um, It's my favorite that I've written. It's called, On the day a a scar gets marked, or you get a wrinkle or two, Instead of thinking how ugly they are, just see the gold shining through. Your face is a roadmap that shows where you've been. A quill dipped in golden ink, writing about the times you were in. A damaged face isn't ugly. Once the cracks are filled with joy and love, that's when true beauty is revealed.
0: Oh, (laughs) I don't think it's just because I have wrinkles. I just think that's beautiful. Oh my goodness. Where did you get the idea for that? Um, they gave us the prompt, which was Kinstugi,
1: and I had written, um, well, I first see many different poems where I feel I can get inspiration from, and then from there, I write my own, and I just try to craft the words into a way where, um, they all go together, and they all flow together, and they make something really beautiful,
0: so. Ah, Gosh, our time is up, but I have just learned so much from you. Thank you. Do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, well, all the proceeds for this
1: book are going to charity, a charity called Aim for Seva, which is um, a charity which uh, is based in India and takes um, funds from uh, all over the globe. And it helps with kids in rural India to find housing and to um, also study until they graduate so that they can actually uh, make a life for themselves even though they aren't as privileged. So um, that is a really important cause to me, and my parents also contribute to that. So now I would like to do that with the proceeds from this book.
0: Oh, I just think that's the perfect charity for this book, because it's about a girl finding herself, and that's what that charity does, helps people that might not have the means to find themselves and move forward with their lives.